You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Well, we are continuing in our study of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to go through the whole book. Pastor Keith has brought us through uh, two sessions, I think, maybe three. And he has uh, titled the series, When God Builds a Church. So if you haven't been here previously, it's all about the model church of the Thessalonians. They truly are a church that we can look back almost 2,000 years and be instructed today. And we want Westwind to be blessed as we dive into this letter to the Thessalonians and harvest from it the truth that God has for us. I hope you have that kind of a heart today. When God builds a church, and in particular the first two Sundays and again today, marks of an authentic Christian. Do you all have a Connect card? Uh, turn it over to the back side. Tyler, you got yours? You need a pen? Okay. Sorry, can't help you. Okay, you're covered. Awesome. So we'll be looking at just three verses today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, three verses. If you have a Bible or a device, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And then I'm going to ask you to stand again. I know you just finished standing. Last week I had the joy of teaching some of your preschool kids, right? Hopefully I didn't scar them for life, but uh, I had them sitting. How many have taught preschool kids here at West Wind? I thought so, Heath, way back there. Yeah, Jason gave me a hand and Taya as well. So we had them sitting. We had them standing, we had them jumping, we had them running around, because they have all kinds of energy. I'm not going to do that to you this morning, you're just up this one time. So, tune your hearts, as Caitlin has instructed us, now to hear the Word of God. Follow along on the screen or in your Bible. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Verse 8, for the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone, so that we have no need to say anything. Verse 9, for they themselves report about us, what kind of reception we had with you. And how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead. That is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. Awesome words. You can have a seat.
Pastor Keith covered verse 8 really last Sunday. You can take a peek at it again if you have a Bible or your device. In that verse, we find out that something amazing happened in Thessalonica. So much so that even though the people didn't leave their city, the word about them traveled throughout the region. So as I began to study these verses uh, a few weeks back, that was the first question that came to my mind. What happened in Thessalonica that caused the whole world to take notice? I love when I'm going through Scripture to remember, write down, think about the first questions that come to mind. Well, that was one of the first. What was it that happened in Thessalonica? We know the gospel came. We know the gospel has tremendous power. And we'll read about that a little bit more this morning. But something unique happened in Thessalonica. Here's what it was. A great number of people dramatically and completely changed the focus and direction of their lives. Completely, dramatically. And that's the effect that the gospel has on people whom the Holy Spirit is working. It just doesn't normally happen that a whole community is changed. What was unique about Thessalonica? They were a major center of Greek God worship. That was unique about Thessalonica. The Thessalonica's in the country of Greece, and the city of Thessalonica was a center of Greek God worship. Cheryl and I had the opportunity a number of years back to visit that city. And I'll tell a little bit more about that later uh, in my message. They were the center of Greek God worship. They were just a few miles from Mount Olympus. Anybody ever hear of Mount Olympus? Uh, that was to be the home of the Greek god Zeus and the other gods. There were 12 that were worshipped. Thessalonica was just a few miles from there. So they were known as the center. When they turned away from their Greek idols to embrace the God that the Apostle Paul began to speak to them about, it was a dramatic life change. Here we are, football season, right? Do we have any football fans this morning? Yeah, quite a few, quite a few. Not too far away is the city of Chicago. I have a sister who lives there. When we travel there once in a great while, it's not hard to figure out what football team is worshipped in the city of Chicago. Who is it? What's the football team? The Bears. The Bears. Can you imagine if the fanatics, the fans of the Chicago Bears, had a change of heart? and a change of mind, and instead of being fans of the Chicago Bears, thank you, sir, they became fans of the Green Bay Packers. Huh? No. Yeah. 
It gets your attention, right? Yeah, I got Dave's this morning. Or another city a little closer to home, how about Kansas City? Do they have a football team there? Who's the football team in Kansas City? Any Chiefs fans here this morning? Right here, right here. What if you got word that instead of uh, Kansas Cityans being fanatics of the Chiefs, they suddenly became fanatics or fans of the Las Vegas Raiders? Ever going to happen? Isn't going to happen. So for the Thessalonians to turn away from their Greek gods and the idols they had in their homes was even more dramatic and hard for us to imagine than a Chicago Bears fan becoming a Green Bay Packers fan. Right, Dave? Yeah, pretty impossible. That's what happened. That's why the word of their conversion rang out into every part of the region, Macedonia and Greece and points beyond. So what happened in Thessalonica that got the attention of the whole world? Really, it's the gospel. The gospel of God came to them in power and by the Holy Spirit. That's what the good news can do. The good news of God has that kind of power. Truth enters the heart and transforms. Has the truth of the gospel entered into your heart and changed your life? Probably it is true for most of you gathered here this morning, but maybe not everyone. Maybe some listening online have heard the gospel that Christ came into the world, the Son of God, died for our sins, was buried, and three days later resurrected as proof of victory over sin, its penalty, its punishment. And he's alive today. He's come once. These verses remind us that he's coming again. Paul also spoke to the uh, Colossians. I think it will appear on the screen. Colossians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, gives further evidence of the power of the gospel. Colossians 1, 4 through 6, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. Why? Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, just as in all the world also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth. Do you remember that day? Is there a day in your history? Maybe you were the age of our teenagers up front or younger. Maybe you were older. Do you remember the first time you heard 
about the grace of God and truth. Did you receive it? Did you ignore it? Did you just go on about your life? Paul's reminding the Colossians that when they heard the word of truth, it transformed. It changed them. So this morning, as we recognize the power of the gospel of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, one and the same, there's a blessing. It's on the back of your card. And here's the blessing. An authentic Christian is marked by a transformational response to the Holy Spirit's work in their life. A transformational response to the Spirit's work in their life. If you're here this morning and your life hasn't been changed by the gospel, the good news of what God has done in and through His Son, Jesus, then perhaps you're not in Christ. Perhaps you're not an authentic Christian. Peter says to be sure about your salvation. Think about it. Am I in Christ? It's an important question. There's no more important question for anyone on the face of the earth than to ask that question. But there's four more responses, and we'll go through them pretty quickly, that we have in verse 9 and verse 10 that mark authentic Christians. Response number 8 in the series that Pastor Keith has established, and what I see when I study this portion of Scripture, is they turned to God from idols. It's true repentance. Repentance is the word that fills in your blank. They turned to God from idols. I was 18 years old when I heard the gospel for the first time. I went to see a young lady who would later become my wife, Cheryl, at her church. I was 18 years old. It was a Wednesday night. She said, if you want to see me, you can see me at church. Any, any other wives use that tactic? It worked. I went to visit her in the church. I heard the preacher. It went in this ear, out that ear. Didn't make a difference. Afterwards, I'm looking to make an exit out the door, quick as I can. But guess who was standing by the door? The preacher. And he stopped me. And I think he'd been primed a little bit by my wife and her mother. He said, Greg, if you died tonight, where would you spend eternity? Well, that's a hard-nosed question. I looked at him. I was a bit surprised. I said, I hope I would spend eternity in heaven, but I don't know for sure. He said, how would you like to know for sure? I'd like to know for sure. Is it even possible to know for sure? And he began to open his Bible, and we stood in the vestibule of that church just a few feet away from the door that I had hoped to escape out of, but suddenly God had my attention. As he opened up the Word of God, he went in particular to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. I had this idea based on the church I attended and how I was brought up that I had to do the best I could and try to earn some kind of favor with God. So I went to church every Sunday, rarely missed. I served as much as I could in that church. I received the sacraments. I did everything I could, but you know, at 18 years old, I realized I'm not cutting it. I'm not going to make it. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. My idol, like the Thessalonians, my idol was self-righteousness. I thought I could earn my way into God's righteous kingdom. That night, God's truth hit me like a lightning bolt. I confessed after reading, thinking about Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, later on as I drove away, I confessed to God, you are right, I am wrong. That's the essence of repentance. God, you are right, I'm wrong. Have you had that kind of conversation with the king of the universe, with the sovereign God? The Thessalonians believed the gospel of God and they repented. They understood the foolishness of their beliefs and turned from their idols to the one living and true God. May I ask you this morning, what idols are keeping you from believing the gospel of God? Self-righteousness, the idol I had, I can somehow earn my way. Religion or church affiliation. Because I attend such and such a church, I'll be all right with God. That's an idol. Unbelief. I don't really need God. I'm, I'm okay. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Career. My plans. My life. Fear of what others might think. What idol this morning keeps you from embracing the gospel of God. Have you repented? Moving on, response number nine. They began to serve the living and true God. Complete restoration. Complete restoration. You see, if you have spent time in this book, the first two chapters of Genesis, you see that originally God had a particular design for mankind. God's purpose for you and I in our first parents, Adam and Eve, was to serve Him. That was God's original design. The Thessalonians, after repenting, turning to the one true living God, began to serve him. God had asked Adam and Eve to rule over all of creation. That was service to God. They were to multiply, procreate, fill the earth with people. That's why we're here today. 
They were given a work to do. Cultivate a garden. And unlike today, work was considered the highest way to glorify God. It brought pleasure to God the Creator and delight to the heart of man. We were created to obey and serve the God of the universe for His good pleasure and our delight. Repenting and embracing the gospel restores the broken relationship. So what should Christians do if they have repented, come to Christ, believe the gospel? Serve Him. That's response number three. Number nine. Are you serving the Lord God? Are you a believer this morning in Jesus Christ? If so, are you serving? Here's the exciting thing. As a follower of Christ, I have this unbelievable opportunity to serve the God of the universe. And that's not just for this life. Serving Him goes on forever and ever. If you're a believer, get used to it. If you're a believer and you're part of a local church like West Wind, are you serving in the local church? You should be. As a believer, are you serving in your marketplace, your place of work, or at school? Those whom God puts in your path? You should be serving in His name. Response number 10. Authenticity marked by redemptive rest. They began to wait for God's Son from heaven. Waiting for the return of Jesus is a constant theme of Paul. In fact, in the letter that we're studying, 1 Thessalonians, every chapter includes truth about the return of Jesus Christ. At Christmas time this past year, when we gathered with our sons and their kids, I usually do a talk with the grandkids. And I invited them to consider, are we closer to the first coming of Christ, His birth, or the return of Christ, His second time on earth? We get together at Christmas to celebrate his first coming, right? Born in a manger. We're way closer to his second coming. The Thessalonians knew, according to the promise of God, that the Son of God would return, and they rested in that truth. Romans 8 and 19 says, All of creation eagerly waits with anticipation for His return. Why? 
Because when Adam sinned, when Adam fell, when Adam disobeyed God, all of creation fell into corruption. Nothing is perfect in the earth that we live and walk on. We see some beautiful things, and it, it calls our hearts to imagine perfection. But nothing is perfect on the earth today. All is in corruption because of the sin of Adam. So, all of creation eagerly waits for the return of the Son of God. 1 Corinthians 1.7 says that believers also eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are waiting and resting in the promise of His return. You know what? Only the redeemed can truly rest. We live in a world out of control, full of chaos. Uh, I see it every day uh, in employees, in customers, in subcontractors. I see it in my community. I go home, I watch TV. I see it in our state. I see it in our country. I see it around the world. It's full of chaos. And people are stressed out. But the redeemed... The believer, the Christ follower, the one who has repented, embraced the truth of God's word, born again, can rest. No matter what's going on around us. Are you resting in him? Or is life overwhelming you? An authentic mark of a true Christian is he or she is able to find rest in the midst of chaos. Response number 11, it's the last one. Rescued from the wrath to come is what we see in verse 10. Eternal rescue. So the Thessalonians had repented, they'd been restored, they were serving God, they were resting in the wonderful promise of Jesus' return, and finally they embraced the fact that he would, when he came, when he comes, rescue them from the wrath to come. What is wrath? You ever use that word at school, at work? It's a word we're not very familiar with. What is wrath? When it comes to God's wrath, it's his punishment of sin. All disobedience, all who turn their back on this most wonderful treasure, the gospel. God's holy response to all injustice and to all rebellion against his truth. That is still coming, his wrath. If you're familiar with the book of Revelation, you can see the terrors that will come upon the earth. There's no greater danger in all the world than to face God in your sinful condition. 
And most people have no idea what lies ahead for them. They never give it a second thought. We hate to talk about it. We hate to think about it. That there is a hell. That people we know and love may spend eternity there if they've not repented, embraced the gospel, found rest and restoration. Let me ask you this morning, do you have that peace in your heart, in your mind? Because you know, even though God's wrath will come, you'll be rescued. You're safe in Christ, just as those members of Noah's family were safe in the ark when God's judgment was poured out upon the earth. Noah, his wife, his three sons and their wives were the only ones who escaped God's wrath, God's judgment when he poured it out upon the earth. Are you safe in Christ? If so, it only adds to your joy when you embrace his promise that the wrath that will come, you escape. I mentioned to you earlier that uh, Cheryl and I spent a little bit of time in the city of Thessalonica, and I'll close with his story. In 2006, we were invited to attend a wedding in Macedonia. That's on the other side of the world. It's a country just north of Greece. We had uh, kept in our home for a year a foreign exchange student, Zhenya, from Belarus, Russia. And he always told us, when I get married, you guys are coming. We always thought the wedding would be in Moscow. When he sent us a letter, sent us the invite, we found out it was going to be in Macedonia, Skopje, country north of Greece. We got excited. We said, yes, we're going. Uh, Cheryl, who's a great planner, said, you know what? We could go a week early, spend some time in Athens. And so we did. We saw the Parthenon, the Acropolis, amazing sights, great food. Our week went real fast. Suddenly, it's time to board a train in Athens and make our way north through the country of Greece to Thessalonica by train. Beautiful. Went, went past Mount Olympus. When we arrived in Thessalonica, uh, is there this shot with the uh, waterfront? There, we, there you go. We found a, a beautiful city, a modern city, certainly nothing like the Apostle Paul. So we walked on that waterfront, the Aegean Sea, had a wonderful afternoon, ended the evening uh, early, went to bed, got up the next morning, uh, whistled for a taxi, got in the taxi, uh, went to the rail station of Thessalonica. Now, I don't know if you can see the letters but when we paid her fee, got out of the taxi, walked through the gates, we realized we were in big trouble. Everything was literally Greek. There was no English. We had a train to catch a connection between 
Thessalonica, and Skopje, Macedonia. We quickly realized we're in big trouble. We walked around the train station desperately looking for something that we could understand that didn't appear. It's all literally Greek. In our despair, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed a short older lady walking up to us. She paused. She looked at us. We looked at her. She said, are you Americans? <laughs> oh, yes, we're Americans. She said, well, I've lived in America the last 25 years, but I'm going home. Where are you going? She asked us. We're going to Skopje, Macedonia. She said, that's where I'm going. I'll take you there. We realized God had met a, a need in our lostness that we couldn't have met ourselves. We got on the train. We thought, this is great. We leaned back. We relaxed, napped a little bit, still in that wonderful sense of rescue when the train came to a stop about two hours in to Macedonia. Now, trains in Macedonia aren't as nice as the train we rode from Athens to Thessalonica. We waited. All of a sudden, we heard a commotion. Two armed guards, machine-like guns at their sides, uh, stopped at our door. We were with a leaky in a small private compartment. And they opened the door, stepped in, and began to speak. I don't know if it was Greek or Macedonian. It's all Greek to me. I don't know. But we knew it wasn't good. Aliki, this little old lady, held up her hand, stopped them, spoke to them. They hesitated. They looked around. They looked at us. She spoke to them again, and they left. As soon as the door shut, we looked at Aliki and we said, what was that about? They wanted to go through your luggage. They were going to rob you. I stopped them. I said, no, these are my friends. Once again, God intervened. We had no idea we'd be lost. We had no idea the danger we were in. We later found out you don't ride a train from Thessaloniki to Skopje, Macedonia. We didn't know that. We were in danger. We had no idea. We arrived in Skopje. Aliki's son met us at the station and offered to drive us directly to our hotel, which was another blessing. If you're here today and you are without Christ, you are just as lost as we were in Thessalonica at that railroad station. If you are here today and you are without Christ, you are in grave danger, and just like us, you may have no idea. The danger is the wrath of God to come. He will punish all sin and disobedience. But there's a great promise, there's great hope for the believer. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 For God has not destined us 
for wrath. That's the believer. That's the believer's hope. But for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, alive or dead, we will live together with him. So I want to invite anyone here today or listening on the internet, recognize that you're lost and without hope, that you live in great danger that you may have no idea. The one and only rescue is to repent of your sin, your way of living, embrace the truth of the gospel that God has sent His Son who paid the penalty in full for your sin, for my sin. Rest in His finished work. Rest in what He has done and what He plans to do. Invite Jesus into your heart and life today. Let's pray. Father, we are in awe of your truth. Thank you for loving us so much that you're willing to give of your precious Son and his life that we might not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that the offer of salvation is free in him because he paid the penalty. Thank you for helping me see that so many years ago. Nothing I can do to earn favor in your sight, to be right in your sight. Jesus has done it all, and we thank you and praise you this morning in his name.